Hi folks, Luke here, and this episode is with Soph Allen. So the reason I wanted to get Soph on is because she is someone who, despite having quite a large social media following on Instagram and YouTube, she still has a lot of authenticity and she's quite genuine. She just is a nice person, basically. So I thought she had some really interesting insights on business and we went quite a lot into mindsets in this one, which is obviously applicable across various domains in life. If you want to learn a bit more about Soph, uh, I'll obviously leave links to all of her stuff in the description, but she has a, a pretty cool thing going on on YouTube and Instagram. And then she also has a cool training app called Train with Soph that I reckon you should probably check out. So uh, without further ado, I'll give you Soph Allen. And of course, we appreciate any shares, ratings or comments that you might want to leave. Cheers. Oh. Yeah. How's things been? Yeah, good. Busy, really busy with work stuff and health stuff and, you know, life. But yeah, going good. <laughs> That's good. It looks busy um, business-wise and all that sort of stuff. I know you were like super, super busy getting everything together like last year and all that sort of stuff. So sounds like it's going all right. Yeah, it is. It's crazy to think that it's only really been going for a year mm. and like kind of how much has happened. But you can probably appreciate when you have such a big vision, it just feels like you can't be doing enough or it's happening so slowly compared to what you want to get done but it's all part of the process and just trying to enjoy it um enjoy the yeah. process yeah it's funny i always find that like um you're probably the same but when you kind of run your own business and a lot of people i've spoken to you're constantly having these ideas about oh i could do this and i could do that and what if i tweak things like this and sometimes i feel like it's just being a bit patient with what you've already got is the best route even though that I suppose that creativity and stuff's also important. Like, have you found that? It's so hard to remain focused on just one thing mm. because that's the thing with like, I don't know if I'd call myself an entrepreneur, but like starting your own business, you are often creative and you often have ideas and it's really hard to remain, I guess, strict with what your vision is and the things that are going to, help you get there as quick as possible and enjoy the process because there's a lot of stuff on the side and requests from clients and stuff that you're like oh I could do that and then you spread yourself so thin and it's maybe not as good as you want it to be so then you just kind of let people down you let yourself down and also not to mention the horrible comparison trap that a lot of us inevitably fall into and see shiny new things that other people are doing and think like, Oh my God, I want to do that. And that's kind of been on my plans and maybe I should direct myself that way. But it, I think it really takes discipline to be able to come back to what your, what your personal goals are with yourself and your business really. Yeah. That's really important. I actually, I get that a lot with, um, you know, seeing what other people are doing like on social media or whatever, but I think it's really important to kind of, recognize the space that you sort of occupy and what you want for your business um, and how you can help people best and that sort of stuff, which is like really hard sometimes. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think because there's people out there where you kind of think, well, they're kind of in the same area as me. Like they're helping the same sort of people. We have some, maybe some followers or whatever that, that kind of cross over. And then you sort of almost feel like you're in competition when, maybe you're not really and you're kind of making that up in your head 
Yeah, definitely. And I think that's definitely a mentality that some people have and some people don't. Like there are so many people in this world that we can help. And I think, yeah, it's very easy to feel like you need to be competitive with someone. But I guess for me personally, I always come back to like what, and it's a hard question to ask because I'm like, what is it about me that people come to me for specifically? Because there are so many people with so many skills and specializations and bigger followings or better bodies or whatever. And someone's going to resonate with you differently and you might be able to help. They might've done, you know, 50 other programs before they've come to you. And there's something about where they're at in their life that resonates with what you're doing that actually helps them achieve their goal kind of once and for all. Yeah, I think that's really true. But I also think that and this is one of the things I actually wanted to talk about is that I think what you do that's really, really good is there's this really strong element of authenticity and like genuineness behind what you're doing. Um, and I feel that that is kind of like the, the ultimate currency these days, especially with social media, uh, because people are so used to being marketed to now. And so you're exactly right. Once they've gone through, okay, I've done this, this, and this, but I, I really just resonate with this person because they're a real person or they just come across as actually caring about me or whatever it is that's kind of like what can define you and make you stand out compared to everybody else in the same area. Because like, let's be honest, the, especially fitness industry online. I mean, it's, it's a crowded space. Um, but people really just want to find someone they can actually trust and, and almost, uh, connect with the real person behind the program or behind the screen. Right. Totally. And I think that's one of the interesting things that I'm faced with because what I do isn't essentially, it's not not your traditional one-on-one coaching where you get that really personal connection, but it's not like the full gigantic app where you're not even really speaking to the person behind it. And you just kind of a face to a team. Someone else is really doing it for you. I'm kind of in that middle ground where like, yes, it's to scale, but it's still custom and I'm still heavily, heavily involved with every single part of the business. And I think that's, definitely one of my points of difference because I'm I'm in the community responding to people and I'll send voice notes every now and again when someone's really struggling and I have the team that I'm building they're not like an offshore kind of customer service team and this is nothing against people like that because you need systems like that when your business is growing massively but I'm in a fortunate position I suppose where I'm able to still have that level of contact and I think a lot of people join these programs and, and I was like this when I first started and I saw someone's body and I was like, oh, if I do her program, I'll look like her. And I think that's like a misconception that um, is hopefully being communicated um, in, and super transparent that I'm not saying, yeah, join this and look like me. But I think, yeah, just being able to connect to someone who's real is something that a lot of people are looking for. Yeah, absolutely. It's a hard thing to do um, because I, I don't know if you find this as well, but there's there's this element of like where people almost want to to go to someone who is um, more advanced than them or or seems to have things like together 
better than they do or something like that. But at the same time, um, you know, just showing that you are sort of just like them, but maybe you've just got some kind of way of organizing training and nutrition that just like works quite well or something like that. I don't know. It's like a hard dichotomy to have because on one hand, we, we all want to be like, well, this person is the beacon, the shining star, you know, success leaves clues, whatever they've done, they've obviously got something right. So I want to follow them. And it kind of imparts this weird sort of hierarchy when I think in reality, you know, uh, to give you an example, I quite often on my Instagram and stuff, I'll have people asking me like, Oh, what's your, what's your training look like? Or what's your, what's your leg workouts like and stuff. I'm like, dude, the reason I don't post it is because I find it unbelievably boring. It's just like, there's nothing special about it. I've just been doing it for a while. You know what I mean? And I found something that works quite well for me, but it's nothing special. There's no secret source to it. There's none of that. Um, but people kind of want that on one hand. Um, but at the same time, I think it's important for us to show them that like, Hey, it's, it's not, there's no special secret. It's maybe just being like a bit more organized and focused and, and that sort of thing. hundred percent. And I find it really difficult too to find that balance between sharing the struggles and the vulnerabilities, because I worried that I'm going to come across like, why would I want her to coach me if she can't even get her shit together? <laughs> and it's kind of like, but I also want to be real and show that this whole thing is a process and a journey, even for um, someone who's, I guess, built a following in a business out of it and achieved certain conditions throughout the process. There are still days that I like can't be bothered, like don't have motivation. And then I guess showing that, I don't rely on motivation or rely on the habits that I've built over all these years. Or if I'm going through a, a period where I'm really struggling to stick to calories because I'm just, I'm really over dieting. I like to share those things because people like, Oh, thank God. Like they're able to see that they can still achieve the results if they're doing a few things that they feel have been the media have made to seem like you won't get your results if you do these things. And it's super restrictive. But yeah, then on the other hand, you're like, oh, but I really want to show up as someone who lives this life and is capable and can coach you and you can put um, your faith in me being able to help you achieve your goals. So it is a, dif a difficult balance to strike. Um, yeah, I struggle with that. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. But I mean, like I said, I think you do a really good job. Um, you know, I like the... I th and I think it works especially well potentially for the type of person that sort of follows you where you do have that window into your life. Like for example, the YouTube, like the vlogs and stuff like that, where, um, you know, it's, it's just, it, there's things there where you're not afraid to be like, yeah, I just woke up. I'm not wearing makeup yet. Any of that sort of stuff, you know, um, I really like that. And I think that people understand that the fitness industry in general has these, sort of mental health uh barriers that we need to push through um and a big part of that is sort of showing the vulnerability and that sort of thing but it's one thing to say that and it's another thing to actually do it and to take that step and be like yeah actually i'm gonna i'm gonna jump on and, and do a video where maybe i don't feel like i i look my best or um you know whatever it is uh i imagine that's been a bit of a process for you and maybe something that's like still a fair challenge did you make like a conscious decision at any point where like like i'm gonna start doing it this way uh or did it just sort of slowly evolve that way or how did that work 
Yeah, it just sort of evolved. I think um, it is really hard. There are certain things that I'm a lot more self-conscious about than others, like certain things. I know a lot of people, for me, like sharing things like skin is just, it seems to be quite a big self-conscious thing for me. Um, But if there's anything like cellulite on my body or anything like that I'm like whatever like it's literally just my body like I know that this is just a phase I'm in right now and it doesn't mean anything but for some reason the skin stuff really um really affects me but it was never like you know I didn't just kind of think okay I need to be more vulnerable I think it was just a process that evolved the more I shared little bits and pieces where I was like oh I appreciate when I see people doing this so maybe I'll try and do it and so I'd put up like a a picture without makeup on or something like that and the response was just overwhelming every time I do it and every time I express that it's a vulnerability on Instagram I'm always met with so much support and appreciation and they're the messages that continue to push me to do it because I'm like well if you know my goal is always to help people and make people feel less alone So if I can do that in any way possible, then I'm going to do that. But YouTube is savage. Like the comments. Really? You've seen a really big difference with that? Don't hold back. I think it's because they can be more anonymous. Um, Yeah, people don't hold back. They absolutely slam you. And it does take a lot of courage to continue to to show up on YouTube. But I really just try and focus on the positive comments and not let the negative ones get in. But they do chip away at you and over time it I do kind of think, oh, maybe I won't I won't film without makeup today because I, I don't know if I can handle more of those comments. But I'm yeah, like, wow. no. It's like just think about the people that you're helping and there's always going to be those negative comments even for people like uh, I just I imagine celebrities how much stuff they must cop and it's like, okay, it's not personal. You just have to keep going. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's intense. Like it's one thing thinking about it, but when you actually experience it, it's another thing entirely. And I mean, I, I don't get very many negative comments at all. Um, so I imagine, you know, for you where you've got a lot more exposure and especially like you mentioned on YouTube, I'm barely got anything up on YouTube. So I haven't really experienced that. Um, that's tough. I mean, it's really hard. I, you know, the, the, sometimes there's someone who says one thing and you're, you're focusing on that when you've got 10 or 20 times the number of supportive comments or something like that. It's just this sort of little cognitive trick, I guess, our minds play on us where you tend to focus on that a fair bit. So it's a tough thing. Um, I've, you can probably hear those seagulls in the background. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> not here or there. I know, they're, they're insane. Um, for anyone listening, I'm in the Netherlands at the moment and the seagulls are about three times the size of the ones in Australia <laughs> and they're pretty loud. Yeah. So that would freak me out. I've got an irrational bird phobia. So I think I would like, oh, <laughs> yeah. mind staying indoors. <laughs> they are, yeah. They're monsters. You, you got to really look out for them because they're huge. Why are they feeding them up there? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. They're intense though. It's funny. Um, yeah. But you know, so then I think perhaps, you know, with that stuff, on the the mental health side of things Mm. there's obviously stuff that uh i think most of the people i know in a position where they've got a large social media following or something like that the mental health for them starts to become a larger uh 
focus and something that they really have to sort of get into a bit more. And I think they recognize the importance of it a bit more. Has that been true for you as well? And are there like specific things you do for that or, or anything? I think, um, I think the mental health side has been bigger for me, not so much having like a growing following or growing exposure or comments, but more so having a business and running a business because that stuff is like the combination of the stress, the struggle to put in um, boundaries around when you're on, when you're off. And, and that's where social media comes in because it is a 24 seven thing and it's on your phone. It doesn't really feel like work because it's a social app, but it's also is a place of work when it is um, a huge part of how you reach your audience. So I think that's where the mental health stuff comes in. And I mean, I suppose because a lot of my business is my body. So if I'm ever going through a phase like where I am right now, where I'm not in my like leanest condition and the stress of having my own business means my priorities have shifted, I feel like I don't really reflect my philosophy. So that can take a lot of um, mindset training but to be honest I really have the most supportive followers like whenever I share anything about any kind of struggles they're like oh my god like me too or are you kidding like you look amazing and um, I think we are definitely our own harshest critics other than those YouTube haters <laughs> but yeah I think the mindset thing is huge but more so from a being a business owner and a, having a growing business and a team perspective yeah cool um no good good points i think um you know trying to separate the social media from like it's obviously it's part of business and as you said it doesn't really feel like work sometimes i think it, it was really funny when i first started uh getting a bit more of a following and you know i think you're the same where you spend as much time as you physically can actually answering people and interacting with them um, because I think that's really important if people are reaching out and, and looking to engage with you to be able to meet them halfway there. Um, you know, but initially it was like some friends and family would see me on Instagram and stuff. And it's like, you know, what are you doing sort of thing? And it's like, yeah. well, this is work, you know, this is work for me. Um, and I enjoy what I do. You know, I, I do enjoy getting the questions and interacting with people. I think it's really nice to be able to do that. But at the same time, it, it's work. I'm not on there for fun. I don't actually really look at anything. I actually don't look at anything fitness related on Instagram anymore. I mainly use it to find like, I don't know, like tattoo artists I like or something like that. Yeah. There's nothing else that I, <laughs> I use it for at the moment, but it's really interesting that way. And, um, you know, I think it's great that you've managed to build a following that are super supportive of you. And again, I think it just goes to the fact that you are authentic because I think people can kind of smell that when you're, not being authentic and then maybe you don't get so much support from people. So it's definitely a testament to what you're doing um, as well with that regard uh, with like the um, business side of things. I'm always interested how people kind of schedule out their day. And, and do you have a particular way of getting everything done in a day? Because you've still got to train and eat and, do all of the other stuff, but then it's one of those funny things when you work for yourself that the work kind of is always there in the background. There's not a clear delineation between the office and the home sometimes. Uh, I know you you work out of an office as well though, right? 
Uh, sometimes I work at my friend's office, but I've been working from home a lot more now. So pretty much all home, which is a very small apartment in Sydney, a one bedroom apartment. So there's not a lot of ability to zone anything. So it's like where I kind of chill out and eat. I literally look like across and there's my work table and everything set up. Yeah, um, yeah. I definitely can relate to that. We actually we try we rented a a larger apartment here in the Hague so that because my wife works um online as well so that we can like separate and you know, we're meeting at the at the dinner table and it's actually a dinner table. It's not like the desk where you shove the laptop to the side and then you eat and then you pull it back over and keep working again. Um, so what's your sort of routine look like? Do you, like, are you very regimented with a routine around work and all that sort of stuff? Or you just kind of go, well, I know I got to do like these dozen things today. And so I'm just going to kind of do them as they come or what? Yeah. I love this question so much because I love hearing how people set up their days and if they have any hacks and tips. Um, I went from being full, like, solo doing it myself it's all in my head I didn't have any systems or anything in place or plans or or anything like that I would be like oh cool, I'll just chuck this up on Instagram oh cool I'll just launch this thing and whip it out and just make it myself and pick up you know all the skills graphic design whatever and then now that I've started hiring a team like I outsource a lot of work I have freelancers and stuff working for me that's forced me to be organized because I, the work won't get done if I haven't briefed them. So I run everything out of Asana. I don't know if you've heard of it, use it. Yeah. I'm yeah. I've, I've heard of it, but I don't use it. I, I'm very much, uh, I do everything myself still. So yeah, yeah. Okay. even if you're doing it yourself, it's really good because you, I like to jump in there and just put down any notes, any dates, and it literally just has your tasks. Like what, task is due today and you can tick them off i find i always overshoot on how much i think i can get done in a day so i'll write these like mammoth to-do lists and then i'm like oh my god i feel like a failure because i only got one thing done so i've really had to pare it back and structure my days so that anything creative or requiring a lot of focus needs to be done in the morning when i'm most alert and most creative and switched on so I'll get up and I have like my morning routine. I'm so lucky. I live literally five minutes from the beach here in Sydney. So I walk down and do like my grounding and get some vitamin D, maybe go for a swim and then come back and basically get started at like eight, probably 8 a.m. And then I'll just try and smash out like the bigger pro, the bigger kind of tasks, check in with my team, do any like briefs. And then I like to train around mid morning. So like anywhere from 10 to 11. And then after that, I basically just keep working until I have a cutoff time, no later than 7 p.m. unless there's, you know, deadlines and stuff. And that works really well to help me sleep because if I work past 7, I just, I can't sleep. Although I did just launch something last week and I'm crazy, crazy hours, like until midnight and I have got onto the CBD oil. <laughs> And that has been a game changer for my sleep. I mean, it's not great. Like I'm not going to promote staying up until midnight just so you can take CBD oil to help you sleep. But if there are periods where you're like, you know, needing to grind out the hours, the CBD oil was a huge help for me because I really do struggle to switch off my mind. So that's kind of like an ideal day for me. 
um, with getting things done. Yeah, cool. Super interesting. Um, I think, yeah, that cutoff time is super important. It can be pretty tough, but I, I do a similar sort of thing. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll look into the Asana thing. I think it sounds uh, pretty interesting. So, um, but I, I did actually want to touch on that sort of morning routine that you have of going down to the beach. And it's something you've kept up in winter as well, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. I am just, I'm such a water baby. Like I even go, go swimming in winter, not all the time. Like I also do like my cold showers and stuff. So I think I've built a pretty good resilience to the cold and I'm from Melbourne originally. So Melbourne is so, so cold. And I can say that cause I lived in Canada and they're just, they're equipped for the cold. Whereas Melbourne's not equipped, like nowhere's properly insulated or heated or anything. So it's that bone chilling cold. Um, but yeah, I grew up by the beach, so it's kind of part of my my DNA really where if I'm ever stressed or overwhelmed or anything, it's like connect with nature and the water. And I know you're really big on grounding as well and going down and just getting my feet in the sand and trying to meditate. Like that's the kind of thing that really calms me that has just gone out the window with this launch that I did, but now I'm bringing it back in and I'm remembering just how important it is for me. And also reminding myself that one of the biggest reasons I wanted to go out and start my own business was to have that lifestyle. And it's so interesting that as business gets busier and it's the business scales, you sort of forget that they're the things that you love. And one of the benefits of having your own business is you can take the time to do that. And you should take the time to do that. And often I just end up feeling guilty. So it's like coming back and I do a lot of journaling and stuff too at night and just kind of reminding myself like what's important and what does your perfect day look like and why are you not doing that every day? So, yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, just on the cold thing, it's, it's really true. If you're not equipped for the cold, you feel it so much mm -hmm. more because I remember the first time um, so my wife's Swedish and when my in-laws from Sweden came over to Sydney, they were freezing. And I mean, they're from Sweden <laughs> they were freezing because it was July, I think. So it was their summer holidays when they came over and they were genuinely concerned for us. They thought we weren't doing so well financially and stuff because we didn't have like a heater and they were like really worried and they offered to buy us a heater and all this stuff. Oh. And they were just struggling because they weren't used to feeling so cold all the time. It was hilarious. <laughs> Um, yeah, but you know, I, I love it that you've got the different, you know, approaches to the mindfulness and stuff. And you're right. I, I do think that, you know, we often, as a coach, I'll often prescribe things like walks and all that sort of stuff. And people take it from the perspective of like, oh yeah, it's getting your steps up and it's neat and all that sort of stuff. And it is, that's a part of it. But, you know, the bigger thing for me is being able to get outside, uh, and if possible, get around some green space or, be able to see the sky instead of looking at it out of a window from an office or something like that. Um, and I think that the mental health benefits of that kind of thing far outweigh any physical benefits from getting more steps in, although that's also an important part of things. And it's funny that you mentioned the, the journaling as well, because that's something that I recommend a lot to my clients because I feel that it gives a lot of clarity when you put stuff out on a piece of paper it helps you to kind of work through problems yourself. And, you know, I've been on this 
I've always been this way, but I've been on a big kick lately of trying to promote this a lot more. We're trying to promote self-efficacy with people where they can kind of um, get the tools and be facilitated to think about their problems for themselves and solve it themselves. So like when you're coaching them, you're just helping them to do that rather than telling them exactly what they have to do. And they're just going, oh, okay, yeah, I just need to hit this number and blah, 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 blah. Um, and I feel like the journaling is a really big part of that. And, you know, there's some resistance to that. I used to be very resistant to that kind of stuff myself uh, many years ago. Um, because I think that when you say stuff like journaling and grounding and meditation and mindfulness, there's obviously an attachment to that. There's a, um, you know, there's this sort of crunchy granola aspect to it. There's like this spirituality aspect that some people don't really like. And I feel that the tide is turning. But uh, I, I do think that promoting that more and more is an important thing because it, these are very, very helpful tools in the modern day and they act as this sort of prophylactic to stressful times. Like I, I would bet that for you, when you have a crunch time in your business, the fact that you've already got a lot of that routine in place of, of going out for the swim and being outdoors and doing your journaling and, and all of that sort of stuff, I, I bet that that makes you much more resilient. It doesn't mean that the the stress of running your business or anything is going to disappear uh, and it doesn't mean that everything's always going to be great but it does mean that when those times do come you just you're able to handle it better have you noticed that with with your business yeah i had that moment too when i was sort of in the thick of it and i was like i'm doing all these things and it's not like getting rid of my stress and i'm like ah oh, nothing's ever going to get rid of your stress but imagine how bad it would be if you didn't actually have these habits so it could be so much worse. So that was a really good um, flip. I found meditation has been a game changer for my mindset, like absolute game changer. I know a lot of people, like you say, have attachments and think it's like a bit woo-woo, but there's so much scientific evidence behind the benefits of it. And even from a like awareness perspective, like it's just made me become so much more aware of the way I think about things, the way I speak to myself. It's made me a lot more accountable and responsible for my actions and decisions. And just understanding that a lot of the thoughts that we have, we don't necessarily control, but the control is in our actions and our behaviors associated to those thoughts that come up. So that's like my number one thing. And it's not, I think people have this idea that they're going to meditate and they're going to feel Zen and they're not going to have any thoughts. And that just puts so much pressure on you because that's not reality. So when you meditate, it's like, it's not really about clearing your mind. It's about accepting that thoughts come and trying not to like jump on them and go down that rabbit hole of like thinking, thinking, thinking. It's like coming back to feeling centered and being present and whatever thoughts are kind of coming and going so that's definitely been a really helpful thing for managing stress and helping me in business situations and just anything like friendships, relationships, any hard conversations I've had to have previously, I can be, I have been quite reactive. And so it's really helped me to stop being so reactive in situations and just try and consider scenarios from other people's perspectives and yeah just not react which is something that you don't want in business and life really and dealing with clients and stuff so that is my number one saving grace 
Yeah. Awesome. I, uh, I agree with that. I think it's a, I try and get people to think of it as like doing reps almost, you know, you're not looking for the perfect situation where you're like a, a rock that the stream flows past or something like that. It's like, it's not always going to happen that way. Right. So we're doing reps to get better at something. Um, mm. but it does carry over. It gives you space like to, to, you know, between your emotions and your reactions and that sort of stuff, which I think is, um, really underrated because if we think about how the brain's being wired by a lot of the stimuli that we have in our environment, you know, social media is a good example because when you're scrolling like that, you, you're kind of engaging in this mental model of quickly seeking something to grab your attention, have an instant reaction to it, either accept or reject it and then move to the next thing. And it's happening very, very quickly. And, you know, whatever you sort of put your mind to is what you promote. And, and that's a physical change in the structure of your brain that's happening there. So, you know, to, to make sure that that's not the only way that you're wired, I think it's important to go through the other stuff where you can be a bit more, uh, you can pull yourself back and be a bit more observant and not instantly engage with something and, and you know, have that sort of scattiness, I suppose. Um, so yeah, it's obviously a, a really important tool. Is there a particular, did you just like sit down and start meditating one day or did you do like guided meditations or anything like that? Yeah, I use an app called Waking Up by Sam Harris. Um, and that starts out with a course. So it takes you through each day a course. And then once you finish the course, I think it's 30 days, um, you have access to everything else. And he's, he's amazing. And there's a lot of information in that app. But I've also found it interesting. I know there's a bit of a debate between guided meditations and not guided meditations because obviously having someone speaking, that's what you're focusing on. So it kind of takes away from your thoughts and the challenge of, you know, meditating uh, in itself. So I do throw in the odd um, just kind of by myself. Like this morning, I one of my rules when I do my morning routine is not to take my phone. So this morning when I was down at the beach, um, like that stays on airplane mode until 8 a.m. So and I just don't even take it with me. It's just like even when it's in my pocket, it just I just feel this weight of it and I just can't switch off. So I don't take it. So this morning when I went down, I was like, oh cool, I'll just I have my Fitbit, I'll just chuck the timer on for 10 minutes and sit there and do just some some breathing and um, meditate that way. But I have found the guided meditations really helpful because it teaches you techniques. And when you start out, you're like, what am I meant to be thinking? Like, what am I meant to be doing? And it's, it's not necessarily like there's a right or wrong way to do it, but there are certain techniques that you can learn to become more aware and um, be more present with your thoughts and that transfer to your everyday life. And I think some of the important ones really are it's a constant reminder in those little micro moments, those transition moments. So like when you're just jumping into your car or whatever, it really prompts you to just become really present in that one moment. And so those are the really good reminders that I get from guided meditation. I have tried Headspace before a few years ago, uh, but I didn't, it didn't really resonate with me. I really love the waking up app. Yeah, very cool. Um, 
good to know. I, I haven't actually done the waking up app myself. I'm actually very, I'm not great with meditation to be perfectly honest. I kind of do it for a bit and I'm like, yeah, this is good. And then I really fall off with it. And I, I just think it's something that I need to work a lot more on. But one of the things I do try and do that you mentioned is to try and be more mindful in the day-to-day -day moments as well. And I think people sometimes uh, don't, don't really think about that, that like, even if you're going for a walk, or as you said, like if you're transitioning from something into something else, uh, that's a really good opportunity to try and be present and that sort of thing. And um, I found, you know, going back to the daily walks and stuff, I, I think one of the ways that I've incentivized that for my clients in the past is to say like, oh, well, you can put on, um, you know, your favorite music or a podcast or an audiobook or something like that, which is like a psychological technique you can use to pair up something that you, that you really want to do with something that maybe you don't really want to do and that can help to build a habit. But I did find that then, you know, people are spending like most of their lives commuting or whether at the office or going for their walk or training, having some kind of external distraction all the time, you know, so you've always got an audiobook or a podcast going. And so they're not a bad thing, but I've started to recommend that people spend at least like half the time on their walk or their commute, just not having any external media there. And even if their mind is simply wandering, I think that's a really important thing because when we go into that brain state, it actually, it makes the, the brain the time that we spend when we're focused more effective because we've had the, the time to kind of get into a different mode of thinking, a more diffuse mode of thinking, a more general kind of daydreamy kind of mode. Um, that's not necessarily specifically focused on one thing. And then when you do go back to that uh, sort of more focused mode, it can be a bit more effective. So yeah, I guess the whole point of that was that, the mindfulness piece and the way that you think and interact with the world can be more than just like, okay, now is my 10 minutes to actually sit and meditate and be mindful. It's something that has to permeate the rest of your life, which sounds like you've done a really good job uh, implementing as well. I love that you mentioned that. Um, I find I do, I'm the same. Like I was, every time I went for a walk, I was listening to a podcast. I'd be walking along the beautiful like coastal walk in Sydney, listening to like a podcast like yours, which is so much information I want to learn. And I'm taking notes and I'm walking and I'm listening. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so overstimulated. I'm taking in too much. Like this is defeats the purpose of being outside and doing my low intensity steady state walk. Like the whole idea is to be more present. So that's why I leave my phone at home when I go in the morning. And I've also something I haven't been so good at, but I want to start adding is just thinking time. Like you said, where it's just time where there's no distraction, you can do it inside or wherever, but you're just sitting and letting your thoughts run free. Cause I find at nighttime, when you go to bed, that's often when that happens. And that's why sleep can be so hard because you have all these thoughts and that's when the best ideas come. Um, I don't know if you're a Ryan holiday fan, but um, I'm a huge Ryan Holiday fan and his book Stillness is the Key is just like kind of touches, on, I haven't finished it, but touches on that a lot. So that non, that unstimulated time I think is really important. Um, in terms of implementing like the strategies and stuff, I think, like you said, it is like training. It's like reps. It's like building, it's the James Clear, you know, style building, building habits that takes time. And, um, 
sometimes meditation does feel like a chore and I often get stuck in that headspace where I'm like, okay, I don't want it to feel like a chore. So should I force myself to do it? Or is it one of those situations where you need to do it just to reinforce that, like flex that muscle and reinforce it just so the habits there, even if it's like, if it's a shit training session or if it's a shit meditation session, I often say to myself, the days you don't want to do it are the days that you should do it more. So I do try and do it. And it's like the cold shower. That's, that's not necessarily me trying to like help my immune system because the shower is probably not going to be cold enough for that. But it's more me flexing that, that mental muscle where I don't want to do something. It's painful and it's not really that enjoyable, but it helps to build a bulletproof mindset that is going to transfer to things like when you're in like your eighth rep under a freaking hundred kilo bar and you're like, I can't do this, but you're like, no, I can because I've done all these other things that I didn't want to do. And I've proved that to myself. And I just think that's like the, the, one of the stoic philosophies. It's like seek those things that are difficult, seek those challenges out so that you can build that bulletproof mindset. So when you're in scenarios that you can't control, you are equipped to manage them. I don't know if I answered that question. <laughs> yeah, I think that was awesome. Um, I, I really like that. One of the things that I heard that kind of encapsulates that was uh, I watched a documentary on um, Richie McCaw, who's a, a, a rugby player, uh, one of the greatest of all time. And he they had this real issue with um, not performing very well at world cups and they had this psychologist come in and he basically gave them this analogy of, you know, for their mentality, where do the, you know, if, if you're one of those surfers who rides those giant waves that could kill you, where do they want to be? They want to be riding the big wave. That's what they're there for. That's what they want to do. So uh, just having that mentality of like, hey, we want to be on the big wave. That's where we want to go. Uh, kind of encapsulates a similar concept, I think. And it can be a really helpful mindset to have to face the challenge um, and to, to go with that. So uh, it's a really good thing. Um, I also wanted to ask if you, I mean, you obviously have a lot of business plans and, and personal goals and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I wanted to ask how that might've changed given what's happened in, you know, between 2019 and 2020, if you had to sort of make some big changes to that sort of thing, or you kind of able to, to maintain the course or how did that work? Yeah, there, to be honest, there weren't huge changes. Like I had set some goals to do some meetups and do a, well, I wanted to travel <laughs> and do some meetups and meet up with people who follow me and who are part of train with Soph and doing the program. So that's kind of been the only real change. I suppose the other change is having to be reactive in the situation with coming up with home training programs to help people, which is something that I never thought I would be doing because it, it's not something that I was like a big believer in or an enjoyer of. Uh, so it challenged me to think outside of what I like to do and think more for my client's sake, because we were all kind of having to make it work from home. So that was definitely um, the biggest change. But in terms of the plans um, that I have moving forward, potentially they've just been pushed back a little bit just because the focus has been on home training and support. I just feel like people need more support right now than ever in terms of the mental side. 
and motivation. So I'm doing like a lot more live workouts for my girls uh, in the community. So that's taken up more time. So I suppose just time-wise, but no, I think I'm very fortunate that everything was already online. Everything was done through the app. Um, My community is global. So I've got people all around the world doing it and just trying to support them as best I can with different content that's more like mindset focused or home training, live videos, that kind of thing. So yeah, very lucky in that regard. Yeah, that's cool. And um, it's been very interesting to observe the changes in, I suppose, mentality or attitudes towards like fitness and and mindfulness and all that sort of stuff, given what's come up. So, um, you know, it's quite interesting because I've talked to a lot of trainers who are like, obviously a lot more in-person based and that that's been very very difficult for a lot of businesses in the fitness industry but it's also um i think reinforced for a lot of people the the effect that they can have for their clients in terms of their mental health as well and then the clients themselves also recognizing how big a part that fitness and mentality and that sort of stuff plays in their life so you know in a way it's kind of reinforced the need for a lot of that sort of stuff even if the for example the home training you know you can certainly make effective home workouts but even if it's not as effective as something you might do in the gym just the what it gives you i think people are recognizing how important that is to a greater extent than before i don't know if you've found that with your community as well yeah absolutely i think at the start i was like okay i'm going to come up with these like amazing programs that are all focused on progressive overload and they're going to be really challenging and we're still going to maintain our muscle mass and then I was like you know what everyone's over this like I'm so sick if I have to do another Bulgarian split squat or split squat variation like I'm just not even going to work out so then it became about movement and fun and doing something that you're actually excited to do because home workouts there's only so many exercises you can do and then incorporating things like running and outdoors act like hit training, which is stuff that like my girls laugh at me every time I talk about cardio. Cause they know that I'm like, Ugh, cardio. <laughs> but now I, I started running during COVID and I was like, Oh, this is actually really enjoyable. And it's really cool to see. I think you can build on it so much quicker than something like strength training. So you see, Oh, I did like an extra five minutes today. And that's, that sense of accomplishment is really good for your cardiovascular system, but also your mindset and challenging yourself in different ways. I think it opened up a lot of, yeah, it just kind of changed a lot of how I viewed things. And now it's fun to incorporate those kinds of exercises in and just, you know, the main focus is always our weight training. But if you want to add in some fun cardio or some fun exercises, Initially, I was like, nah, that's a waste of time. But now it's like, no, we're like, if that makes you happy, then yeah, let's make that work. Yeah, super cool to hear. I've experienced a similar thing with a lot of my clients. In fact, some of them, when they initially came to me, they said, if you ever make me do cardio, I'm out of here. Like, that's the yeah. last thing I will ever do. And <laughs> it's really funny that all of those people now, once they've been able to go back to gyms and stuff, have been like, hey, can we keep in some running? I've been really enjoying it. And it's funny that way. <laughs> But I think it does highlight that like a lot of the point of exercise is, of course, you get those, those physical outcomes. You get you know, changes in your physique. You get a lot of the physical benefits of it. But a really big part of it is exploring your physicality and just 
being able to accomplish something and to make progress, I feel is such an important thing. And it's something that I recognize in myself with, you know, the business side of things and that kind of, that kind of stuff where when you're very process focused, it almost to an extent doesn't really matter what the process is, but if you feel like you're making progress in whatever direction you're going, the effect on your overall well-being is really phenomenal. Yeah, I think it also depends on like your goals because when I'm training for a specific body composition goal, like if I just want to get lean or if I just want to squat 100 kilos, I'm like, give me, you know, it's they're just going to be staple basic exercises that we do on repeat. I think this is something that is a, a massive common misconception on Instagram where people follow uh, influencers and big fitness names and see, and I'm definitely like, I post a lot of different workouts because there's demand there. So I'm providing to that demand, but people think they can just go out and do like this workout, then that workout. And I want this fancy Instagram exercise. Why doesn't my body look like yours? And it's like, we're all just doing the boring staple exercises. Like you said at the start, like people ask what your program is. And it's like, I just do like the same stuff. And then I just get a bit better at every time, whether that's rep or technique or weight. Um, so I think, yeah, that, that's like a huge common misconception out there. Um, and now I've totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I get you. It's a good point. Um, that's the challenge, right? Uh, you actually hit on something that's um, I, I wanted to talk to you about as well is where, you know, part of this whole being authentic and being genuine and, and trying to help people is that there is a demand that like you get rewarded for posting certain content, for example, right? And sometimes you're kind of like, well, I'm going to get a lot of engagement and potentially reach more people. And and that's nice from a selfish perspective, but it also means that you're having a greater impact in in terms of helping people. Um, You know, but sometimes you feel like, okay, to give an example, a lot of the pictures where it's like, you know, shirt off kind of stuff that tends to get a lot more engagement than something that's a lot more informative and genuinely more useful information. And it's a really difficult thing to kind of, like you said, give enough variety to meet the demand for what people are asking for, but then to also actually be authentic and provide stuff that you personally think is really useful as well. Uh, it's a really, really hard balance to hit. Um, so I've seen some people who they, they literally go, right, well, you know, 50% of my posts are going to be um, physique type stuff. And then 50% are going to be like the things that I think are maybe a bit more important. And they literally like, you know, uh, ration it out that way. Do you have a similar approach or how do you do that? Um, I pretty much do like a video every second post or every third post, because I find you kind of want to hit a, a variety of things on Instagram. So like you want content that's going to get a lot of saves or a lot of shares or a lot of likes or a lot of comments. So you can hit a variety of those different things. Whereas I don't know. I mean, it's so difficult. I post like, I used to post a lot of like booty pics and stuff like thirst trap content. And that was really good for growth. But then it comes back to the point where it's like, okay, is the quality of the followers that I'm getting actually worth putting those photos out? Because there's, you know, there's a lot of seedy guys out there that like 
you know, follow, follow for the, not the wrong reason, but not the reason I want people to be following me. Not, they're not my target audience. Um, but then there's a lot of women that really appreciate it and really kind of feel empowered by that kind of content. And then there's, you just can't please everyone. I don't necessarily have like a formula that I follow. I know Instagram is so random. There'll be some things that I know work really well. Like right now, reels are so hot. Like if you're not doing reels, you should get on reels because they're going to be like marking that up in the algorithm and boosting that content, any new feature they come out with. Um, and there'll be one post that'll just like go off. It'll get on the explore page. It'll go viral. It'll get me so many new followers and saves and stuff. And it's like, okay, what was it? The caption? Was it the fact that like the certain angle, was it the day that I posted it on? And so I just kind of like to test those things, but I also try not to get too hung up in like growth. Cause I feel like quality followers is just so much more like make so much more of an impact on from a business perspective. Obviously growth is great from wanting to reach more people with your message. So it's kind of like a, a two pronged approach, I guess, but I think quality quality followers is going to be more beneficial for both sides because they're actually going to implement your content and share it with the right people. So, yeah. Yeah, totally on board with that. I actually, you know, it, it's about getting into a mindset of, um, you know, whether you're getting unsubscribes from a mail list or unfollows on, on Instagram or something like that. It's actually a good thing because it means that people who don't like what you're posting are like getting out of the road so that it's not diluting, yeah. you know, to the people that you really want to be able to seeing it, um, which, you know, obviously you don't want that to happen too much it still hurts it still hurts so much yeah. though whenever <laughs> i have like male people unsubscribe i'm like but why that content was meant to help yeah. you <laughs> i know i know i get the same thing because you just want it to be helpful to everybody but um you know i think it's one of those things where i mean it's the same thing when it's like you get the one negative comment to like the hundred positive ones and that's the one that you focus on it still gets a bit like that but it's i suppose it's all part and parcel of it um yeah. So what's next for, for this year? What's, have you got anything big coming up or what's going on? You're just kind of doing the same sort of stuff and putting your head down. Yeah. I'm currently working on a campaign for a challenge that I want to do. I'm not, not big on challenges, but I feel like with everything that's going on, I could create something different um, to what's out there. So it's not kind of like come in for eight weeks and then you're done and you like, you rebound and you just have a horrible experience. So you go from challenge to challenge. It's like a very big emphasis on education and giving people tools to sustain their results all year round. But also, yeah, I've got, I'm like looking to the left now cause I've got my whiteboard with the whole plan for it. And um, that's kind of the focus. And it's sort of like a finish the year strong. Like if, if nothing went right in your year with everything that's gone on, then let's use the last couple of months to at least learn some things or work on your mindset. Or if you lose three kilos and that's been your goal, then you might finish the year feeling really strong and really good about yourself. And then there's like a few um, very big projects that I am working secretly on. I have this thing where I like, I tell people what I'm working on too early 
And I did it with like my most recent launch and it was like months and months of work and people like, where is it? Where is it? And I'm like, this is so frustrating. (laughs) So yeah, there's the challenge is sort of like finish the year strong with that. And then a few things that are going to take a while before they, there'll be a 2021 thing. Awesome. Sounds very good. Um, I think we'll probably end the recording there, but I'll, I'll chat to you a bit more on the other end. Um, do you want to plug your stuff? Like where can people see more from you? And then we'll kind of go from there. Pimp myself out. Yep. So Instagram, I am at Soph Allen. It's S-O-P-H-E Allen. So it's like a weird way to spell Soph. It's how my mum spells my name. Also, couldn't get Soph Allen. Yeah, someone's <laughs> got <really> it. <laughs> <laughs> I went with the um, underscore at the start of my name because of that. Yeah, clever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and my... My YouTube is Soph Active Life, which is my old ha- my old handle, and my other Instagram is Train with Soph, and then Train with Soph on website and everywhere else. Very cool. Thanks for the chat, Soph. I'm sure we'll uh, keep in touch. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, that was my episode with Soph Allen. If you wouldn't mind, please leaving us a rating or a share or a comment or all three would be great. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks very much and I'll catch you in the next episode.